0: Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. I tell you what, what a wonderful five days I have had on the West Coast. I mean, it was packed out, crazy times, can't beat the the camaraderie when you're around like-minded people. But I tell you what, there is nothing that beats sleeping in your own bed, first of all, especially next to the person that you love. But man, just being around family. I walked off that plane last night at the airport, and there is my little buddy, Jetty. There's my three grandbabies, and there is my sexy, lovely wife to meet me. And I tell you what, that is the best feeling that you can have. Had a great time, though. The Real Savvy Success Women's Empowerment Conference was phenomenal. Got to eat lunch and eat dinner with some of my old friends, who weren't women, by the way. Uh, Richard Brook and his lovely wife, Chris, was there. Richard gave a speech like the second to none. He's the chief visionary officer over at 2110. Just a powerful guy. He's on his way to to DC. Man, he's had a crammed, packed time, but he's on his way to DC working on the ethics committee. And I'm 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 really kind of dedicating this series uh, to the to the ethics committee and to the DSA. They're up there cranking things out right now. And this new series we're going to be doing is called Ethics 101. But I got to be around one of the loveliest gals. A while back we did a series that she had, she had written. Her name's Lisa Emanez. She wrote a series called Stop Defeating Yourself in Self-Sabotage with Conquer Fear, a unique blend of psychology and theology to challenge your belief and thus your results. And we were sitting around. We were having a good time, and, and she happens to, to be one of the top distributors, in 2110, and we were chatting, and I said, "Hey, I saw my buddy uh, Chris Widener just went over there." And she goes, "Oh my gosh, it's so great!" And we got to talking, and she goes, "Troy, she goes, you just did his series, didn't you?" I said, "Oh man, we had a blast." I said, "Matter of fact, it touched my mom's life." And I said, "We we," I told Chris I wanted to buy a book, and he said, "Buy a book, I'll just send one to her." And I said, "She loved it and was writing him a letter." And man, Lisa's face lit up, and she said. Oh, 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 I want to do something. I said, all right. So she comes back a little bit later and, and, and listen to this. This is great. This is her new, her, well, it's not her new book, but this is her book, Conquer Fear. And in the front cover, on 9-9 of 11, she writes these words. To Laura, may this book richly inspire and bless you. Love to hear, I love to hear you're an avid reader And I am getting ready to send this book to my mom because I know she's going to love it. Lisa also wrote a book called Don't Mess with the Princess, a whole clothing line, actually. She sent it to me for Christmas so I could give it to my lovely princess that I'm married to. But my mama is a wonderful woman, and Lisa wrote a wonderful book. And now Lisa and Chris are in competition to see which one my mom loves the most. I, I just love these two. They are great. Today we're starting a new series. I had to think of what I wanted to do. I was actually reading a book. I was given a beautiful gift, which I'd had a copy of it in hardback by Daniel Pink, but I was given a beautiful softback cover by Rock Your Dreams, great, just a great, great place over there. Elaine Mayers is the chief dreamer, and it's called Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. We're going to do that series coming up, but today we're going to start in Ethics 101 small book, nothing major, but with me being on the road at the end of the week, I thought, man, this would be a good book for us to get started on. Because I think what I see in life today is there's a, a, I don't know, it just seems like people, they run their business life and their personal life different. And today we're going to look at chapter one, what happened to business ethics. Because I believe if you crave life the way I do, if you're in business and you crave to to have your business explode, if you're in a relationship and you crave to have that relationship go to the top, then at the very core of everything you do is your ethics. Ethics is not something that's subjective. I mean, there's there's some stuff here we're going to learn over the next few days that I think may even enlighten you from what we see in culture, because it's it's just not right. John opens up this chapter. He said, how would you describe the state of ethics in business today? Is it wonderful? Rock solid? No, I think most people are disgusted with it. They're sick of dishonesty and unethical dealings. I mean, let's think about it. It used to be that we talked about how used car salesmen and shyster attorneys were unethical people, but do you realize that We have multi-billion dollar businesses. Enron is upside down, gone. WorldCom, gone. MCI, gone. Global Crossing, gone. Then we got the Bernie Madoff. Billions and billions raped from people over almost a 30-year period. Billions of dollars. Pension plans upside down. When I look at this, I think, why? Why does that have to happen? John says, of course we have ethical problems. And we're seeing that they're not just limited to the business world. They're not. Think of what's happened in the Catholic Church where, where priests who people put their kids with have been convicted of messing with children. And it's not just the Catholic Church. How many preachers? There was one just here in the South the other day who would go into a different county, pick up girls, rape them, and then throw them out and say, you won't tell anybody. The people that we have entrusted our very souls with. School teachers hiding the affairs that they're having with children. Men and women hiding the affairs they're having behind the backs of their spouses. And then we wonder, think about this. If the very people can't be honest with each other in a relationship, how in the Sam Hill do we expect them to be honest in business? We say we crave life, but is it really that we crave life? Or are we craving something different? Are we looking down the wrong road? It's interesting to see the ethical lapse and how it it, it affects everything in every place. And I believe that if we want to change it, then we have to change ourselves. We have to realize what ethics are about. I listened this last weekend as men and women got up and shared from their heart. And I had the opportunity to sit on a panel. And as I listened to what those ladies had to say, as I listened to the questions that were asked, I wasn't the one telling them how to build their business. I was the one talking to them about how to save their relationship at home so their business would grow. See, it's 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 crazy. George Barna, one of the great pollsters out there, he does some phenomenal research and development work, and I just love this guy and what he has and what he stands for. It's amazing. I want you to think about this. This is this is this is an interesting deal. Let me read what John writes. He says when pollster George Barna asked people whether they had complete confidence that leaders from various professions would constantly make job-related decisions that are morally appropriate, here was the results. Executives of large companies, they hold people's confidence at 3%. 3% of the people that were polled said, yeah, we think they do it by ethics. Elected political officials, 3%. Film and TV producers, 3%. News reporters and journalists, 5%. Small business owners, 8%. Ministers, priests, and clergy, 11%. Teachers, 14%. The top leaders of just about every segment that we look at, and none of them were even at 25%. Six out of seven people were unwilling to give their complete trust. What's that tell us? John wrote and i've got to I've got to agree with him on here there's three reasons that people make unethical choices. one, for whatever reason it seems that people in general now want to just do things that are convenient see it's an ethical dilemma can be defined as an undesirable or unpleasant choice relating to a moral principle or practice. See, when I got to reading this, here's why this meant so much to me and here's why I'm studying this this next week or so and I'm actually reading his larger book at the same time is because I have some upcoming series of blog videos and articles that I have to write and I want to make sure that I do it correctly. It's going to involve some individuals and I want to make sure after reviewing several hundred different people, I believe, I've learned that it's, it's a sad situation when people's relationships are severed and there's no way to fix them. See, what do we do in situations like this? How can we accomplish what we're trying to do? If if an ethical dilemma can be defined as an undesirable or unpleasant, uh, or unpleasant choice relating to a moral principle or practice, how can we overcome not making the right choice because we don't want to be politically incorrect see that's how I'm looking at this see we say we crave life we say we want the most that God can present to us the most that that we can get from our own self the most everything we say we crave the excitement the joy, the happiness but yet we don't want to make the undesirable or unpleasant choice sometimes that we know is the moral thing to do Is the ethical thing to do. Ask yourself this. Do we cheat because we think we won't get caught? Do we give ourselves permission to cut corners because we rationalize that it's just this one time? Is this just our way of dealing with pressure? What is it that's causing this? Why? It didn't used to be this way. There used to be a fine line between right and wrong, black and white, ethical or unethical, morally sound or morally inept. The second reason that people don't want to make moral choices is we've got this attitude that we'll do whatever it takes to win. John writes, I think most people like me hate losing. Business people in particular desire to win through the Through achievement and success. He's got a great point there. But what happens on the playing field? See, it's interesting to me. I get these kids coming out out of high school. They get drafted into college. They want to be the best in their sport, the best in their teachings. They crave to be the best of the best. And then some shyster comes along and starts whining them and dining them and providing hookers for them and giving money to the coaches. This just happened in the university here in Florida. It's been going on for a decade. Some of the greatest players in the NFL now have tarnishment. Oh, it's okay. It's just a boy thing. It's unethical. One man's Greed. Going in here to the coaches who are usually underpaid at that level, especially. Gives them a little bit more money because they think, oh, what's the big deal? Just boys having fun. We need the money. We need to grow. We need to do this. And now what? To Devastate careers? Everybody was wrong. Don't get me wrong here. It's a domino effect. It's no different than drugs. If you want to see your business explode... You've got to understand it's all about the ethics. This is so important to me. I'm going to be doing the same thing in a video series. It's going up on our new website, the Network Marketing Advocates, because ethics is the baseline of what you get started in. The Atlantic Business Journal reports that a group of executives came together recently at a leading company in Atlanta to brainstorm ideas for a three-day national conference. As the team shared ideas from different sessions, a senior VP of the company enthusiastically suggested, why don't we do a piece on ethics? It was as if someone had died. The room was very silent, and an awkward moment later, the discussion continued as if the VP had never uttered a word. She was taken back by everyone's reaction. She simply let the idea drop. Later that day, she happened to run into the company's CEO. She recounted to him her belief that the subject on ethics should be addressed at a conference. She expected him to agree wholeheartedly, and he replied, I'm sure everyone agrees that that's an important issue, but there's a time and a place for everything. The sales meeting is supposed to be upbeat and motivational, and ethics is such a negative subject. A negative subject. Maybe that's why when I do reports and I question the ethical fortitude of the company, that people want to get nasty. It's amazing to me. See, many people believe that embracing ethics would limit their options, their opportunities, their very ability to succeed in business let me share a personal story real quick this was in 1991 i happened to be a, a partner in a mergers and acquisitions firm at that time mergers and acquisitions weren't doing real good so we'd been doing more turnarounds going in taking over bankrupt companies turning them around making them profitable or selling off the assets also, as a partner in that firm, being with my background, my my one of my main duties was that as a driver and a bodyguard at night to make sure that the CEO of that company and the founder was able to get back home to the to the hotel because we would be wined and dined by executives and companies and and usually ended up and and understand this I was not walking my path with the Lord but would end up in some kind of high end. Um, what they called gentlemen club, what we would know just as a strip joint, and and I mean high end. I mean dinner would run you twenty five thirty bucks for a great steak, and it was a great atmosphere. And obviously there was half clad, or or really probably three quarters clad girls. that well, really they looked like girls at beaches, except they didn't have as much clothes on. But I remember one night sitting there, we were we had the high executives of a, one of our supplier companies. And they spent thousands that evening on my boss, my partner, as he was entertained by all these women. Later that evening, privately, in a private showing, the same, the same executive from this this company, little company, it's, it's a big company, but they're out of South Missouri, set him up for a private showing as, as these gals were. Showing off their lingerie that could be purchased and bought. And as I look back now and I read this book, I think of the ethical dilemma. See, this isn't just happening overnight. These people went in and knew that my boss had a weakness, and they exploited that weakness for their own gain. I mean, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on supplies from this company. And they wanted to make sure that even through the bankruptcy that we were continuing to use them and paying them. They supplied our equipment, they supplied everything that went into the into the equipment. How many of you would have thought that would be business as usual? Let me explain something to you. The same thing happens to women. There's also clubs out there where male strippers are and, and women get wined and dined at the same time. Matter of fact, same club, just different room. This is the crap that goes on. Hookers for college kids. Strippers for adults. Who knows what else goes on? And we say we crave life. If you crave life, then you will not sell yourself short. Third reason. Now, I don't even want to go to the third reason yet. I want to read something else John wrote. John says, I believe that that I have only two choices... He says to win by doing whatever it takes, even if it's unethical. He's not he's not talking about himself, he's talking about people. Or two, to have ethics and lose. I'm faced with the real moral dilemma. Few people set out with the desire to be dishonest, but nobody wants to lose. Think about that. You're a businessman, you're a businesswoman, you're a wife, you're a husband. You're a teenager. You say you crave life so much, but yet with the way society is, with what we get driven into us all the time, we believe we have two choices. To win by doing whatever it takes, even if it's unethical, or to have ethics and lose. Professor Henry Adams stated this, morality is a private and costly luxury. That's coming from a college professor. Just last week, a college professor in California who was training our children who were coming through his classroom. It was found out that he leads one of the most dangerous one percenter biker gangs out of California and had been selling drugs in his classroom. The president of a biker's organization teaching college courses. I don't know if, the leadership in the biker gangs have come up, or we've just stopped doing background checks on the professors in the colleges. Either way, it's a moral dilemma. The third reason: we rationalize our choices with relativism. We're taught that everything is relative to who we are. It's look, it's just relative. If you and your wife want to be monogamous, then that's great. I I appreciate that. But my wife and I don't want to be. We just want to share everything with everybody. It's just relative. Don't judge me. I don't judge you. That's a bunch of BS crock. Ethics aren't relative. John writes this. Many people choose to deal with such no-win situations by deciding that what's right in the moment according to their circumstances is okay. That isn't the way it works. I don't care if you like the Ten Commandments or not. They're sure a great baseline to start with. Thou shalt not kill. It doesn't say that it's relative. Okay, that's that's okay, And unless somebody takes my candy bar. They broke the one that says, Thou shalt not steal, so I can break the one that says, Thou shalt not kill. doesn't work that way. Thou shall have no other gods before me, but it's okay if I just want to go out and just this one time, start breaking these rules and live my life on my own means and put me above God. It's okay. It's okay if I want to slam that other company over there. Just because they're network marketing and I have friends in it doesn't mean that I have to tell the whole truth. You know what? Ethics do. It hurts. I've lost friends over ethics. I can sleep at night. My own adult sons don't like my ethics because I believe it's black and white in a lot of areas. They respect my ethics. And I make it very clear where I stand. They know I love them unconditionally. I don't like what they do when it's ethically unsound. If I'm dealing with business partners, I have no problem saying it's ethically unsound. Period. Because when it's not, we have issues. There's no such thing as situational ethics. Never has been, never will be. When you want to run with some kind of ethical that's relative, and run them by situational ethics, and you run into ethical chaos. You end up in a screwed-up mess. It just doesn't work. So the choice is yours. Do we do we let it work, or do we not let it work? How do we fix it? First thing I do is I suggest getting John's book. You can go to JohnMaxwell.com, get Ethics One Hundred One, or you can get the, his book. There's no such thing as business business ethics. And you gotta you gotta focus on it. Maybe you're not sure about it. Read up on it. Matter of fact, another great book is Credibility. Phenomenal book. Now we've got to look at this. I'm talking about it from a business side, but let's look at it from a personal side. See, I don't believe that it is a a business, social, or political issue. It's a personal issue. See, like John, I believe there's no such thing as business ethics. You either want integrity or you don't. See, a lot of people, matter of fact, I'm going to read this verbatim. It says, ironically, studies indicate that the majority of people don't always act with the kind of integrity they request from others. Among college students, 84% believe that the United States is experiencing a business crisis and 77% believe CEOs should be held responsible for it. However, 59% of those same students admit to having cheated on a test. The same person who's yelling for ethics is cheating on a test. In the workplace, 43% of the people admit to having engaged in at least one unethical act in the last year Seventy-five percent have observed such an act and done nothing about it. It's crazy, isn't it? We have a divorce rate of 50 percent. And you want to know, this is what pisses me off with relationships. This is what I talked a little bit about to the ladies this weekend. We're going to be doing a new series on this, but this is what irks me. The divorce rates at fifty percent, and you want to know what it's what, what what's listed on the majority of the applications irreconcilable differences now, what in the sam hell is that? Think about that irreconcilable differences, in other words, we have an ethical issue here. we don't even want to explain what our real problem is. I just want a divorce. Are you screwing around? No, we just have irreconcilable differences. I want a divorce. Well, are you guys communicating? No, we just have irreconcilable differences. Crying out loud. And then you wonder why the business has issues? If you crave life, if you want life, then it starts with you. If you're single, focus on what it is that you want. And realize that if you want something, then you've got to draw some lines in the sand and say, here's how I'm going to act. Because if you're not going to be ethical, if you're not going to have character, you will not win. Not in the long run. You may get some short, fast cash, but you will lose. I have a 28-year-old son that can tell you about ethics. He just got out of prison. Everything will catch up with you if you don't live by your ethics. It's not easy. It's tough. But it's the only way to win. Listen to this right here. Companies that are dedicated to doing the right thing have a written commitment to social responsibility and act on it con- constantly constantly. And they're more profitable than those that don't. Richard Brooke, my good friend, sets on the ethics committee at the DSA, has a complete series on their website of what they do and don't do. They call them cultural commitments. A commitment to authenticity, a commitment to honoring diversity, a commitment to doing the right thing, leadership, a commitment to having a powerful relationship with one's personal vision. A commitment to a new way of communicating and selling that is focused on listening and honoring what is important to the customer. A commitment to being a passionate promoter. A commitment to championing the success of other people. A commitment to being personally and financially free. A commitment to personal and spiritual growth that expresses the no-limit nature of the human spirit. And they are profitable. And they're growing. He walks his walk. We must all walk our walk. If we don't, we lose. And if we lose, what good is it? If you crave life the way I crave life, if you crave life the way John Maxwell craves life, then you will not sit around in this crap, wondering, worried, Telling everybody, I want it bad, and then not getting it. There's no such thing as business ethics. You either have them or you don't. And that's why we're doing this series. That's why I'm launching this up on the Network Marketing Advocates website here in this next couple of weeks. That's why I'm doing a complete video series on this. This is how important this is. It starts with you, not with your company, not with your upline, not with your downline. It starts with you. Tomorrow, why this rule is golden. We're going to have fun with this. I told you, this is just a small book. You can buy it at johnmaxwell.com, Ethics 101. It's just a little excerpt out of his big book. But I'm telling you what, I've had so many conversations lately. I've seen so many ripped relationships in business and at home. I decided this was important. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here with me tomorrow for Real Mentors Radio. Dot com. Bye com